up next, the BYU Sports Nation Cosmo Award goes to... We hand out our awards to the best of the best games and individual performances over the last six months. What's an award show without A-listers on the guest list? One-time BYU Cougar and Kansas City Royal pitcher Jeremy Guthrie joins the program. Plus, game day for BYU basketball. The guru of college basketball stats, Ken Pomeroy, back for more. Plus, the voice of San Francisco basketball. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Hello, Thursday, January 16th, BYU Sports Nation back to work. Ready to hand out some awards. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with 14-time BYU Sports Nation Cosmo Award nominee, Jerem Jordan. Huh? <laughs> okay, that may be a bit exaggerated. But well-deserved, Jerem. Thank you. Wherever and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Join our conversation 24-7 by using the new and more concise hashtag BYUSN on Twitter and comment on our Facebook page. It's game day. BYU basketball working on four straight wins overall and more importantly, trying to snap a five-game road losing streak balling by the bay tonight, Jerem. Win! Just win. get it done. Secondly, in homage to the approaching Oscars and to honor an array of award shows this time of year, we have meditated, debated, and selected our winners. <clears throat> excuse me for the. <laughs> I got a frog in my throat. Just man. clear your throat, baby. It's all good. Okay, there we go. Uh, we have selected our winners for the inaugural. Like BYU Greg Oden, you are back. Sports Nation Cosmos. All right. I think you lost some sleep over this, didn't you? I did not. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, in honor of the Oscars, we're going to do our own little version of that with BYU Sports. We want And we want you to weigh in. Hashtag look, look, BYUSN. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Okay, so here, here are the BYU Sports Nation Cosmo Awards. So here are the different categories. Best game. Best performance in a game by an individual. Best supporting performance in a game by an individual. And best coaching performance in a game. Use hashtag BYUSN on Twitter. We want to hear from you. BYU Sports Nation airs weekdays, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on Sirius XM Channel 143, BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, and Dish Network Channel 980. Access our show on demand at BYURadio.org, or if it's more convenient, catch the rebroadcast weekdays, 7 Eastern. Now let's specify. We're saying from August to now. We're not going the whole 2013 year, so we're basically from the start of women's soccer, volleyball, football, cross country, all that, to now. So basically six months. The last six months. The last six months. Best of the best. Rise and shout, sports friends. It's time for a special Cosmo Award edition of BYU Sports Nation's What's Trending. Or the opening ceremonies of the 2014 Olympics in Sochi. (laughs) It does have an Olympic feel. Kate Hansen, Luge Coop. Right. BYU Sports Nation guest waving right now to... The whole world. If we That's were, what I'm if feeling. We were to, if we were to give out the best individual performance for radio interview, she would be a nominee. She's Yeah, she was good. The, the Cosmos, coop. baby! The inaugural Cosmos. <laughs> this is fantastic. Love the music. Okay, first category. Best coaching performance in a single game. I'm going with BYU women's volleyball coach Sean Olmstead against Hawaii in the NCAA second round. Match point for BYU leading 24-22 up two sets to none. Boswell will serve for it. 
Douglas to Lane and Blinn with the tip. There's Robinson to dig. Jousting at the net. Camry Godfrey. And BYU finishes off the sweep 25-22. Look, it was a big deal. Great coaching performance. Okay, for me, it's Garrett Tujay, the offensive line coach, against Texas. BYU ran for a school record 550 yards after losing at Virginia. Taysom had 259. Jamal had 182. A fantastic bounce-back game. There you have it. Okay, so here, here's my ideology with this. Look at what Sean Olmstead lost with Jennifer Hampson. She's focusing on women's basketball this year. So he takes a team that has lost their star, an all-American volleyball player, She's going to sit out a year, and he gets back to the Sweet 16. But not only that, he has to go all the way to Hawaii, survive a first-round match, and then he sweeps the host school Hawaii. Who's really good at volleyball, plus they packed the house. It's on TV. That was a big deal. That was fantastic. Ranked number 11 in the country, Hawaii was at the time. So BYU upsets the Warriors on the road and get back to the Sweet 16. An incredible Incredible coaching performance by Sean Olmstead, not only in that game, but really the entire season. And I'm not talking about the season as a whole when I talk about the offensive line, because obviously there were some issues there. But in the Texas game, oh, yeah. BYU took advantage of the, the sponge that was the Texas defense. So Garrett Touje, for me, is the nominee for best coaching performance in a single game. Cue the music again, Aaron. I want to hear it again. The Here Cosmos. Yes. Best supporting performance by an individual athlete. For me... It just happened. Skyler Halford, men's basketball against San Diego. Halford at the other end. He is feeling it, and he's all smiles. 19 points for Skyler Halford. Skyler Halford takes my best supporting performance by an individual athlete. Who you got, Jeremy? Mitch Matthews versus Utah State. Three touchdowns. That's the only time a BYU receiver caught three touchdowns in a game this season. It was October 4th at Utah State. Five catches, a buck 12. Biggest game of the year. Three TD. <laughs> yeah, you called it that earlier. How foolish was that? I'm just kidding. Best supporting performance by an individual athlete, Mitch Matthews. Nicely done. Let's keep it rolling. Best performance in a single game. That's easy for me. Hands down, Taysom Hill versus Texas. 259 rushing yards. Hill. There it goes. Now Taysom runs out of trouble and runs into the end zone. Back to pass. Looking for the long ball for Huffman. Hill takes off again. He's in. That's never going to happen again. 259 rushing yards by a BYU quarterback. That's never going to happen again. I think that that is the peak of rushing performances by any quarterback that will ever put on a BYU uniform. That was more than guys like Vince Young and Denard Robinson. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, that was fantastic. For me, it's Taysom Hill versus Houston. Taysom Hill starts with a straight drop and a throw for Cody Hoffman. Houston 10. Hill pops and throws wide open. Ross Apple making a Texas homecoming for the first quarter touchdown. Third down. Bowser again beats his man. Hill throws to a wide open Hoffman. And Cody Hoffman is inside the 25. They bring pressure on first down. Hill booting. Looking to the end zone. It's Oppo one more time. Touchdown, BYU. 
a fantastic performance. 29 of 44, 417 yards, four touchdowns, 128 yards rushing. He had 196 yards rushing, actually, but lost 66 on eight <laughs> sacks. Otherwise, he could have had 200. He was, And here's why. That's the performance of the year to me. Uh, best performance in a single game. He's only one of seven FBS quarterbacks ever, ever, to have 400 passing yards in a game and 100 rushing yards in a game. Fantastic. That might never happen again. Probably not. You quarterback. That was awesome. That that was the funnest game of the year by far. Oh man, w- watching that game from the sidelines was a life changing experience. I I my I balled. How did your life I balled change, it a little bit more that day, Jerem. I, I lost some hair. You balled you more <laughs> lost, like it's happening already. I balded uh, that day. That that game was so stressful watching. Uh, if you support. Supporting either team, really, but uh, if you're a Cougar fan, it was ultimately it was uh, an incredible. And Bronco Mendenhall throws his hat into the sands. Yeah, when does he, that happen? He rarely has an outward display of emotion beyond pumping the fist with a really serious face. Right? Throws his hat into the crowd. Boise State, 2012. He dan- <laughs> he dances like the most awkward young men's. Uh, leader you could have or scoutmaster or something at a youth dance. <laughs> and, Broncos and then last year he throws his hat. It took him four days to calm down from that. He told me. Four days. He said, usually by Monday, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, back to work, back to normal. He said, uh, that one, didn't, I didn't calm down until about Wednesday. Best performance in a single game. Taysom Hill, both from us. Texas, Texas and Houston. And Teams Houston. from Texas. He's a sophomore. Houston's, that's going to be a great game next year, by the way. When Houston comes in here with sophomore John, children of O'Corn. Oh, man. That's going to be good. Quarterback matchup. Did that kid exceed expectations? I'll say. Holy cow. Can you imagine if BYU lost that game? That would have been another Virginia, but it's like, oh, wait, Houston was better than we thought. Good thing BYU won that in dramatic fashion. Okay, so best performances in a single game. You could make arguments that those are the best games BYU played. Maybe we will. And cue the music one more time, Aaron. Bring it back. We culminate this. The inaugural Cosmos on BYU Sports Nation. Best game. For me, I'm going a little bit off the radar But I will never, ever forget this. BYU women's soccer against Oklahoma. Corners in, low grounder. Ball free. There's a shot. Goal! Ella Johnson delivering just when the Cougars needed one. It's not over yet. Ashley Hatch breaks free. Is this the tie goal? Hatch taken down the box and we will have... Paige Hunt to tie the game against Oklahoma. One-on-one against Cassidy Stady. Hunt approaches and scores! In a heads-up fashion, kicked away, but BYU with hats, tipped, ball in front, and put away! Unbelievable! (laughs) (laughs) Madeline Lewis cannot help herself. She just has to... Unbelievable! She has to get in there. Yes! She's she's still a fan. <laughs> when you play for BYU and you come back and you come to sometimes the emotion just takes over. Oh, that's and, funny. It makes it great. Steve Vale does it men's volleyball all, all the time. <laughs> wow. Gnarly. For me, the best game Cosmo nominee is football versus Texas. Hill. There it goes. Touchdown. Now Taysom runs out of trouble and runs into the end zone. In some trouble. Van Noor gets him. Hill takes off again. He's in. Williams. He breaks through. 
Kicks to the outside. Right here. And rumbles to the 26. Holy cow, that game was fun. Because there was the depression of, what the heck happened against Virginia? And then the next week, Texas is ranked 15th. Big, bad, mighty Texas comes in and BYU rushes for a school record 550 on the ground. 259 by Taysom. 182 by Jamal, which... People hardly acknowledge, by the way, 182 by the second-best rusher in that game. It caught the nation's attention, mostly Texas, but that was so fun, that game. The first home game is electric every year, no matter who you play, but beating Texas that way was fantastic. Jamal could have won the best individual performance in a supporting role. I mean, Jamal Williams could have won with the 182 yards. I know you gave it to Mitch Matthews, and I gave it to Skylar Halford, but... Jamal is a superstar, but in that game, he was, he was just the supporting role. If we went for it, we went single games on these, but if we had gone for a season, he's, he probably wins the uh, best supporting performance for the year. Yes. By the way, the te- part of the Texas game was the delay. What went into just getting that game on? <laughs> we, so we participate in the pregame. You're the sideline reporter. I'm the producer. It was a three-hour pregame. It was, I prepare a one-hour pregame. It, was Armageddon. it became three. It was Armageddon. And our crew was so awesome. It was not hard to do that as the producer because we had such great people helping out with that. That was just the weirdest game ever. I love that I'm huddled underneath one of those uh, walkways as rain is coming sideways. So I don't know why we're trying to like take cover because we're just getting pelted in the face with huge raindrops and 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts. And these people are asking me, what's going on? When's the game going to start? Because I'm still holding my BYU TV sports <laughs> microphone, and I'm like, I'm a reporter. I don't, I'm I just trying know. to not get struck up by lightning. <laughs> you know what? That was, that was fantastic. And as soon as the Washington game ended, you, you just were hoping for more football, more Cosmo nominee type stuff. But you know what? Against Connecticut, we're going to have plenty of that. Countdown to Connecticut. 224. How many weeks is that? I'm not deaf. (laughs) (laughs) How many weeks is that? I don't know. 224 days. I just say the days, man. Don't get crazy. (laughs) Football right around the corner. (laughs) Okay, I I have to say something else about that soccer game. BYU-Oklahoma. Okay, so Natalie and Lewis and I are calling that game. Seven minutes left. And Natalyn, who will never let me forget this, says, look, it, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to take a miracle. I had not tuned in at this point. And then I randomly tuned in right before BYU makes this crazy comeback. So Ella Johnson, freshman defender, comes off the back line. BYU's got everybody forward in the attacking zone. And rips like this bomb from 30 yards into the upper 90, dusting the spider webs. And then two minutes later, there is a penalty kick. The Ashley Hatch is taken down inside the box. Paige Hunt finishes that off. And no kidding, a minute and a half later, ball tipped from Ashley, shot off Ashley Hatch's foot, and Jaden Thornock puts in her first goal of the season and does it to beat Oklahoma 3-2. to two. When do you see three goals in four minutes and 50 seconds in any soccer match? You don't. At that level? No. Unbelievable game. So for me, going off the radar with BYU women's soccer in Oklahoma, and then surely yours against Texas, it's hard to argue. That game was one of a kind. 
What are your BYU Sports Nation Cosmo nominations? Our categories are best game, best performance in a game, best supporting performance in a game, and best coaching performance in a game. Use the hashtag BYUSN on Twitter. We will get to some of your uh, responses coming up in just a few moments. Jeremy, do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up the Cosmos? No, the inaugural Cosmos. That was fun. Uh, send it, yours in using hashtag BYUSN. And to wrap up this opening block, it's game day, as I mentioned. So as we're going we're gonna to come down off of the award high a little bit and, and come back to reality. BYU and San Francisco matching up tonight by the Bay. BYU basketball riding a three-game win streak. They've lost five straight on the road. Can they turn it around against the Dons? For an insider access interview, we bring in the play-by-play man of the San Francisco Dons, Pat Olson, who is uh, joining BYU Sports Nation. And I mean, Pat, BYU really is, is a really interesting team this year in that they lost their first two conference games, and now they're 3-2. and two. San Francisco is 4-2. and two. Did you anticipate this kind of uh, turnaround for the Dons and, and them doing this this year? Well, you know, I, they have a lot of guys that can score in reality, and I think that without Doolin, what's happened is it's, you know, it's kind of shortened up the rotation a little bit, and it's allowed guys to, you know, kind of find their role. You know, really it's, you know, seven to eight guys playing, and what we've really seen is the development of Avery Holmes, a sophomore, into the point guard role. You know, he was, you know, kind of a tweener last year. He played some backup point guard, played some two guard, can shoot it. He brings a little bit different element than Doolin in the sense that he pushes it more. He's more of a pure outside shooter. But uh, there's a lot of elements. You know, the front line has vastly improved from a year ago. They have guys that can score on that front line. And, um, you know, I I just really think the shortening of the rotation is probably the key thing that's really helped this club uh, kind of meld. The Dons are in second place right now in the WCC through six games. How high is the confidence level that San Francisco can keep this keep this up and compete? Well, you know, you talk to Rex Walters, the six-year USF head coach, and, you know, he, he the phrase he told me uh, the last uh, pre- and post-game that we interviewed, he said, you know, he says, I'm not real comfortable yet. You know, I, I think he wants the team to continue to stay the course. Yeah, they're 4-2. and two. It's early. You know, their their two losses are to the you know two of the big dogs. They lost at Gonzaga and at St. Mary's. So, yeah, they're four and two, but they haven't really you know had a I guess a true notable win yet. You know, yeah, they've had a couple of road wins at UOP and at Portland, but you know until you knock off a BYU, a St. Mary's, a Gonzaga, you you know you you've got to kind of prove yourself a little bit in the West Coast Conference. Pat Olson, the play-by-play specialist for the University of San Francisco Dons basketball team, joining BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Rex Walters is a unique character, Coach. Uh, he's he's very intense and very in, involved in, in his players and, and what they do. What What is something that we don't know about Rex Walters that, that you can tell us, maybe some inside access? Well, you know, the interesting thing about Rex is, you know, he, he, he appears, obviously, to fans as a very fiery individual, the thing that people may not know is he's a very emotional guy about his players. You know, at the at the post, you know, end of year, you know, gatherings when you know they have the banquet and they give out awards to team members. Rex chokes up. You know, he'll get up and talk about a player, and, and he'll tear up. He really likes his guys. He really cares for his players, and it may not appear that way. He may look like a guy that's jumping players, 
during ball games. But at the end of the day, this is a guy that really cares about his student athletes. And, and you know, Angelo Calario, who, you know, graduated and left last season, when Angelo left, you know, Rex had a real rough time with it, I think, emotionally. And he got up and talked about Angelo, and he, he could barely get through the speed. So that, that behind-the-scenes thing is that Rex is this fiery guy. Another kind of behind-the-scenes thing that's interesting about Rex is when the team, you know, has a little bit of kind of open shoot, there's no one on the team that can outshoot Rex. He goes around the perimeter and just knocks in three-point shot after three-point shot. He's, He's still got it. on the squad. Yeah, he's still got it. BYU fans have nightmares of Rex Walters. Because, I do. Because in 1993, on the way to the Final oh. Four, Kansas knocked out BYU. <laughs> so I hope that Rex does not suit up tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can still play a little bit, I think. Pat Olson, uh, San Francisco radio play-by-play is on BYU Sports Nation. Last year, this was a tight one in San Francisco on the hilltop, a four-point game. Do you expect a similar kind of game tonight with the Cougars? I think so. You know, the, the Dons are playing well. They've got some confidence. They, they, they kind of found their, their niche. They have a, a lot of guys that can score. They're hard to guard because of that. You know, BYU obviously pushes it quite a bit. They're a very up-tempo team, and that might play into USF style a little bit because USF likes to score the ball. So I expect, a, you know, kind of a one or two possession game. You know, the, as you mentioned, the, the game last year last year here was close. Two years ago, it came down the wire here. Last year, USF won in Provo. So they feel they can play with this Cougar team. Pat Olson, the USF play-by-play man on BYU Sports Nation. Pat, what are the realistic expectations, goals for San Francisco this year? Well, you know, the, early in the year, their, their RPI wasn't particularly... Um, you know, a, a nice number. I mean, I think at one point early on, they were like 290 in the RPI. But, you know, now that they've racked up some wins, they're sitting 11-7 and seven overall, 4-2 and two in league. Their RPI now is in the high 80s. I saw one, you know, website had them at 90, another had them at 88, 89. So I think their feeling is if they keep plugging along, keep winning, I, you know, they, you talk to Rex Walters, he wants to compete for a league championship. He feels his team can do that. You know, if they don't end up winning the league championship, you know, maybe they keep improving that RPI. Maybe they become an NIT team as opposed to the, you know, the CIT and CBI. They've been in those tournaments. I think they really want to make a stride forward and get into a a better postseason tournament this year. Well, Pat, we appreciate the time and good luck on the call tonight. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, good to be with you guys. Pat Olson. San Francisco Don's play-by-play. Great to have him on the show. And how about Rex Walters being an emotional guy? Not anger, but crying. I I did not see that coming. He's got five or six kids, so uh, (laughs) bound to be emotional that way. Up next, the guru of college basketball stats, the one and only Ken Pomeroy, makes a return trip to BYU Sports Nation with seven losses overall and two conference losses. Why the computers still love BYU. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. You can also follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Tonight, BYU men's basketball looks to extend its three-game win streak and snap a five-game road losing streak at San Francisco. The game's live on ESPNU and BYU Radio at 9 Eastern. 
Ken Pomeroy is a college basketball stats guru. The guy just understands the game, sees it in a different way than a lot of people, and carries a very high, well, has a, we have a very high opinion of Ken, as do most national college basketball pundits across the country. Ken, welcome back to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Great to have you back. BYU, seven losses. They lost their first two conference games, yet they're still on the bubble and in conversations that they could still get into the NCAA tournament despite some black eyes on their schedule. Why has BYU been able to survive an own two conference start and still kind of hang around the bubble area of the NCAA tournament? Well, I think there's two things going for them. One, they played a very difficult non-conference schedule, and I really like the fact that they are getting the benefit of the doubt because of that. You know, they went out, challenged themselves with some, you know, just a, actually a pretty brutal uh, non-conference slate, and you know, it probably turned out even to be a little bit tougher than we might have anticipated. Um, so, so that's number one. And number two is, you know, they expanded the tournament uh, four or five years ago, adding three at-large teams, basically, and that opens things up more too. I mean, people. This time of year, they tend to really overestimate the qualifications you need to get into the tournament. Uh, and so when you're a team like BYU and you really don't have, at least in a non-conference play, you don't have any bad losses, uh, you went out and challenged yourself. When it comes time to pick you know, the last four or five teams, they're going to get uh, you know, the tiebreaker in a lot of these cases, especially considering that you, know, you have a Texas or a Stanford who also might be on the bubble at that point and BYU is going to have a neutral site win and a road win over teams like that. Um, that's going to serve them well. So, yeah, it's, it's way, way, way too early to throw in the towel on BYU's tournament hopes. So, in a way, there's still a way to get respect in losses, Ken? Yeah, that's what it seems like. You know, it's, had they lost all of those games, I don't think they'd be getting as much respect. I mean, like I said, the Stanford and Texas wins help, and you know, maybe Utah State will do them some favors as well. It certainly would have been better had they won one or two more of those games. They'd be in a much better position. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the strength of losses does matter, and they don't have as many. They won't. They if they're in a position to get in the tournament, they won't have as many bad losses as, as their competition. Ken Pomeroy, guru of college basketball stats on BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. You can get more of Ken's knowledge firsthand on his website at KenPom.com. Okay, BYU has now won three straight games. They go into San Francisco tonight with a chance to go 4-2. and two. And amazingly, after that 0-2 start, they're just a game out of first in the West Coast Conference. Is it good to have that kind of parity in the West Coast Conference in terms of NCAA tournament status, or does that make it more of like a, a potentially one-bid one bid league? Yeah, that's going to be a real interesting test. I mean, some people have written off the league as a one-bid league, and, it's, again, it's too early to do that. Uh, the thing that makes the WCC in 2014 different from previous iterations is that the bottom of the conference is so much better. So, uh, you know, right now I have the WCC rated ahead of the Mountain West, the first time that's ever happened. And you know the top of the conference, there's not, nothing too special right now. Gonzaga isn't as good as they were last year. St. Mary's is taking a step back. But the bottom of the conference has nobody outside the two, top 200, which uh, normally they're good for not just one, but like three or four teams. And so the bottom of the conference is what's kind of propping the overall conference strength up. And I think you'd rather have the top of the conference doing that, but, uh, but it does help. And, uh, you know, I think it helps perception-wise. It helps the overall rating of the conference. Um, but it also makes it tougher to go on the road and, and get wins of these schools that, 
you know, aren't known nationally. You know, your Laurel and Marymount and your Pepperdines, they're not great teams, but they're good enough now where you just can't walk in there and get a win, and same goes for San Francisco tonight. Yeah, BYU's learned that uh, the hard way the last uh, two seasons. Ken Pomeroy joins BYU Sports Nation. Ken, BYU continues to be one of the top offensive teams in the country. For your regular statistics that most people are familiar with, BYU's the fourth best scoring offense in terms of points per game. Tyler Haas is number five. You do advanced stats. What is BYU doing, and where does BYU fit in offensively nationally? Yeah, they're not rated quite as highly in my system. I have them 40 steps in what I call adjusted offensive efficiency, so basically how many points they score per possession instead of per game um, adjusted for schedule. Uh, They have the fourth fastest tempo in the country. So that's a a contributor to why they end up higher in your per-game statistics. They have more possessions per game, so they have more chances to score. We've talked about that before. But, uh, yeah, so their offense is probably good but not great. Uh, where they really excel is not committing turnovers. Uh, they're 14th in the country in turnover percentage. So, uh, basically, uh, you know, they are experts at taking care of the ball. A good three-point shooting team, 58th in the country. That's one of their other uh, kind of better stats, even though they don't take a lot of three-point shots. That surprises me quite a bit. It is, and it's kind of a weird, you know, when you start thinking about the offense they rose runs, it's, it's a little odd because – you know, they take uh, – they don't take a lot of threes. They obviously have guys that can shoot it, but, you know, they've really been focused this year on kind of crashing uh, the paint. And that, you know, that's paid off in conference play because they've gotten a lot of offensive rebounds. They've gotten to the free throw line a lot. Uh, those are two things that BYU historically has never been terribly proficient at. But um, in West Coast conference play, at least, uh, those two things have been big contributors to what so far – I mean, they, in conference play, they've had the best offense in terms of points per possession. So, uh so certainly in WCC play, things have improved a bit over their season totals. Ken Pomeroy on BYU Sports Nation. You can see more of Ken's statistical awesomeness at KenPom.com. Ken, BYU is, they're coming off an interesting non-conference schedule, of course, and it carried over into conference play. What I want to know is, statistically, what were they doing wrong in those five losses they had in non-conference and then in the two losses to open conference play? Yeah, so a couple of issues there. Uh, certainly, the defense was a problem. I mean, the common thread in that uh, in that losing streak was uh, giving up a lot of points, certainly a lot of points on a per possession basis. Uh, you know, the two games against uh, Loyola and Pepperdine, they gave up an average of 1.12 points per possession, and one is the national average about maybe just slightly higher. You know, when you get over 1.1, that's pretty poor, and those two teams are not feature great offenses, so you throw that in, and uh, you know it, it sounds even worse. I mean, those were two of the best offensive games those teams had all season against anyone. Um, so that was a problem. Their shooting was a problem too. Uh, you know, basically had below average shooting performances during that losing streak. Um, weren't necessarily great at crashing the glass, but I would say the big issue was just kind of overall defense and then offensively uh, not making as many shots as they as they normally had during the season. Ken Pomeroy is on BYU Sports Nation. Ken, BYU's had a big disparity in its play at home and on the road. Obviously, the road has yielded more uh, uh, tougher games, uh, simply. But BYU's 8-1 and one at home and then 3-6 three, three and six away from Provo with one true road win. What kind of difference are you seeing with BYU home and road? Well, it's always more difficult to play on the road. Um, and I guess that kind of gets back to, you know, the lineup change, how – how effective has it been? Because, you know, they make the change, move Kyle Collins over to the point, 
happens to coincide basically when they get back home, you know, after that four-game losing streak. And so they go on a three-game winning streak and they play better. Uh, but, you, you know, you almost always play better at home. I mean, that's just, it's not a BYU thing. It's college basketball thing. We know it well. And the question is, how real is that change? You know, how much of that is it coming home and how much of it is changing the lineup? And I think it's probably a little bit of both of that. You know, certainly moving Kyle to the point, kind of redistributed uh, the shot distribution a little bit, I think more effectively. You know, moving uh, Matt Carlino off the ball allows him to take more high-quality shots. It's improved his shooting percentage, so their offense has gotten better over that time. Um, so, uh, so in a nutshell, I mean, the answer to your question is kind of simplistic. I mean, you could say they just play better. You know, their offense has been better. Their defense has been better at home. Um, but is the team better overall, you know, in, the, in these last three games? Again, a good road test tonight, and that'll absolutely the true limits test. You know, they, they can beat San Francisco – nationally nobody will probably think twice about it but i think it'll, it'll uh, be a great sign for, for byu going forward ken pomeroy ncaa college basketball stats analyst and guru joining byu sports nation you can get more of his knowledge on his website kenpom.com okay we're going to play the lightning round and let me ask you to look into your crystal ball here ken you can use whatever statistical background you want but what position what seed will byu take into the west coast conference tournament uh, I'm going to go, I'll go with a three right now. Okay. Do you have St. Mary's at two? Yeah. I mean, it's a close call. Uh, you know, the one thing we haven't discussed is that BYU has actually played a little bit of an easier conference schedule so far. So even though, you know, they're technically tied to St. Mary's in the standings, a little bit easier pass for the Gales down the stretch. And so I'd probably give them the, the edge for the two seed right now. Fair point. The West Coast Conference gets how many teams into the NCAA tournament? Um, I'll say two. Uh, you know, Gonzaga will get in with a not very high seed, and one of BYU slash St. Mary's, uh, I think, will also find a way to get in there as well. What seeds will those West Coast Conference teams have? Mm, so I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go off the gut here, projecting the rest of the season mentally in my head here for a couple seconds. Um, I'll say Gonzaga gets a, let's go, seven for Gonzaga and 12 for Team Other, whether that's St. Mary's or Gonzaga. <laughs> 12 not bad if the uh, 12 wins, what is it, about 50% or something of the time in the NCAA tournament? I'll take a 12. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. All right, Ken Pomeroy, we appreciate the time, man. Jerem, Jerem's actually is, is pointing, he wants to ask you one more final question. Kyle Collinsworth has been uh, stuffing the stats uh, as the point guard, ball in his hand a little more, able to do some things. Uh, almost got a triple-double, almost had a 3-by-5. Uh, what have you noticed of his individual statistical performance? Well, you're right. He's just a well-rounded player. You know, he, First team of the year, I asked a member of the BYU staff, like, do you think Kyle will get a triple-double? And it's tough to get a triple-double if you don't block shots. And, you know, of course, that person said, yeah, I think so. You know, he might get one or two. And it hasn't he's guaranteed yet, but... one on this show, Ken. He has guaranteed it. Yeah, I mean, you know, and he's come so close so many times. I mean, he's kind of the good, perfect candidate because he plays a lot of minutes. Uh, you know, he's obviously uh, going to have high assist totals, and he's going to rack up some rebounds. And he plays on a team that plays at a fast pace. There's more opportunities to get those numbers. So, uh, so all those factors uh, contribute to the possibility. Uh, he's running out of time, though. I'm, I'm getting a little bit concerned, fellas. Ken Pomeroy <laughs> joining BYU Sports Station. That is great statistical breakdown. As always, pleasure to talk to you, man. And uh, we'll do it again soon as BYU tries to get back on the train and get into the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good day. All right. In honor of Ken Pomeroy, Jerem, we're debuting something new today, and it is from your genius. Stat of the day. It's simple, but I've got it. Eric Mika is second in the WCC in offensive rebounds at 3.1. You know who number one is? I have no idea. Cruz Pinkins. Who? He plays for San Francisco. Ah. He averages 3.3. So tonight is an O-board battle in San Francisco. And Eric Mika is on his way to crushing the offensive rebound record for freshmen in a season. Greatest basketball player to ever play at San Francisco. Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Which, by the way... In 19, here's, a, here's a fun thing that I, I love sharing. In 1953, December uh, 22nd, BYU hosted San Francisco in the Smith Fieldhouse. Bill Russell and Casey Jones, oh, man. two basketball Hall of Famers, played in the Smith Fieldhouse. Who do you think won that game? BYU won that game. Wait, what? By seven. Russell was a sophomore. No way. So BYU beat Bill Russell in the Fieldhouse. Pretty cool. Double dose. That's like... Next time you go and play pickup in, that, in the Smith Fieldhouse, Bill Russell has walked there... How many? Okay, Jerem, let's test your knowledge. How many NBA championships did Bill Russell win? What did he have? Was it ten? I think it was eleven. Wasn't it? Was it ten or eleven? Don't ask me a question okay, you don't fine. know the answer I think to. I want to say eleven. <laughs> I was thinking you were going to say eleven. I was going to think, oh yeah, it is eleven. But you said ten, so well, now I'm questioning. The other myself. day we were discussing this: who has who had more rings, Phil Jackson or Bill Russell? And I think it's Jackson, isn't it? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to look out. it up out of the break. While Jerem is looking that up or typing something in his computer, we remind you on Twitter. That we eleven at eleven, boom! I was right. I should have not. I shouldn't have doubted myself. What are your BYU Sports Nation Cosmo nominations in homage to the Oscars and the award shows that happen this time of year? We have listed some categories for you: best game, best performance in a game, best supporting performance in a game, and best coaching performance in a game. Use the hashtag BYUSN on Twitter. Jeremy and I have already given out our responses. We had a lot of fun with that. Now we're going to go to some of your responses. At Jake, oh, actually, cue it up, Aaron. It's Twitter time. At Jake D Snake ninety, best game Texas, best performance. Taysom Hill versus Texas. Best supporting, Jamal Williams versus Texas. Best coaching, Bronco versus... Nope, Utah State. Yeah, that was a good game. At Y for Life. He said, game, Texas, performance, Taysom Hill, Texas. That's pretty pretty unanimous, I think, among BYU fans, is that that Texas performance was fantastic. Supporting performance. uh, He says, fourth string secondary, all forced to play. Okay. I'm not sure which game that's in reference to at Y for Life. Uh, just that, that's a season. The season, okay. I would, I would have to imagine. Yeah. So you're talking about Sky Pove and Mike Hague, essentially, and then coaching, uh, not Utah or bowl game. <laughs> you didn't give us. You said what it wasn't. You didn't tell us what, what it, it is. Yeah. There's always some snark out there, right? Yes. That's what makes the Twitter. We try machine, and filter what the, makes snark the Twitter out. machine fun. No, I bring the snark sometimes. At Laser Sheep says Texas, both football and basketball. Okay. Yeah. We own th owned Texas this year. Yes, Tyler Haas and Taysom Hill. Number two, Taysom Hill versus Texas, 259 reasons for the individual performance. Very nice. And then number three, Big Rush of Five, Kyle Collinsworth against Pepperdine, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, and I think it was four blocks or four steals, something like that. Wow. Anyway. Uh, and then he said, best coaching performance, Coach and I versus Texas. Same play kept working, 550 yards worth. He can thank the Texas D for this award. Hashtag Boring play calling. <laughs> hey, if that's the result, I love Dude, it. I, you can call that play all day long, and that's what they did. Every day. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, our A-list guest. 
Jeremy Guthrie, Major League Baseball pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, how he's tied to BYU, why he's so passionate about BYU, and what's the deal with his Michael Jordan shoe collection. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Nate Austin, and you are tuned in to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back. Tonight, BYU men's basketball and Nate Austin, who has the BYU Sports Nation karma, by the way. Yes, he does. Look to extend their three-game win streak and snap a five-game road losing streak at San Francisco. It's live on ESPNU and BYU Radio, 9 Eastern tonight. Our A-list guests continue. Major League Baseball pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, Jeremy Guthrie. He's also pitched for the Orioles and the Rockies. He has some BYU ties. Jeremy, some of our listeners might not be aware of your tie to BYU sports. How did you get involved with BYU athletics, and how have you stayed in touch with the Cougars? Um, Well, I guess I became involved when I was recruited to play baseball as a freshman back in 1997 after my senior year of high school and uh, went to BYU, played uh, the 97-98 season there under Coach Collins, and um, later went on my mission to Spain, the Bill Bow mission, and when I returned, I actually ended up transferring out to Stanford. So, um, you know, that was obviously my first connection to BYU sports. And, and recently, over the past few years, my family and I have lived in Utah Valley. So, naturally, we get a chance to go and, and watch uh, football and basketball games. I haven't football games, obviously, as I'm uh, out playing my own at that time of the season. But uh, kids have a lot of fun watching games. And, you know, we've got a chance to, to watch quite a few Cougar games over the years. Being a return missionary and playing in the major leagues is not a common thing. Uh, what has that been like, and how have you maybe tried to help other return missionaries that are pursuing the same thing? Well, you know, it's a very difficult challenge, but I always, anybody, anybody, anytime anybody asks me, um, you know, my thoughts on whether or not they should choose to serve a mission or, or pursue baseball or, or any other sport or endeavor in life, I always, you know, I always give my glowing endorsement that, Choosing to serve the Lord and, and serve your mission should be first and foremost. And uh, anything the Lord has in store for you and your life, um, you know, you can rest assured that that will still be there if that's His plan for you. And so, that's always my advice. I came back uh, from my mission, not fully expecting to play much baseball, but you know, was tremendously blessed and uh, was given the opportunity, you know, over and over again to to play. And uh, at the end of the day, I ended up accepting that offer. It, 23 years old and you know now 12 years later I continue to to play baseball and it's something I really enjoy it's given me a a great platform to be able to you know speak to kids and share uh you know stuff in my life that's helped build my faith and and um you know try and and give them experiences that uh, may help them along their way as well. Jeremy Guthrie, Major League Baseball pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, joining BYU Sports Nation. He played at BYU back in 1998, then transferred to Stanford, and we're grateful to have him on. Now, you're you're hosting something called the First Pitch Dinner on Saturday, 6 o'clock, on the Marriott Center Court. What's that all about? Yeah, this is uh, Coach Littlewood. I've got to know him over the last few years, even when he was a head coach down at Dixie in St. George, uh, because my neighbor played for him. And so, you know, he's come up to BYU, and I know they had a, a great season last year, and I have a lot of confidence and faith that uh, he'll be able to continue to build the, the program up to where fans hope to see it again. And he invited me to come and speak to this. It's a fundraiser dinner for the baseball program, and um, it's going to be a nice event. Uh, we're having it at the Marriott Center, and, you know, he had, they're going to honor, I believe, Coach Tuckett, and then, uh, you know, I'm going to get a chance to share some of my experiences 
through my playing career um, with those in attendance. So it's going to be a neat event. I know they sold it out, which is, uh, which is great, and I think they look forward to being able to host this event uh, you know, going forward each and every uh, season before baseball begins. BYU has a proud baseball tradition. Uh, recently, BYU struggled to get to the NCAA tournament, but once upon a time, BYU was ranked number one, uh, would produce many you know, minor league players. What's the next step for BYU to kind of get back to that level, in your opinion, Jeremy? Well, I guess I, I, know I don't really have any idea what that would take necessarily, but certainly it is rich in history. Um, you know, Guys like Wally Joyner and Corey Snyder, as you, as you have mentioned, and I believe Jack Morris and Rick Aguilar, these are guys that had a... Uh, very sustained careers in the major leagues, and you know you see them doing things now. Whether it's Jack being making a, his candidacy for the Hall of Fame, or, or Wally Joyner taking a uh, a hitting coach position with the Tigers, you know uh, there's many out there still doing good things in baseball. But um, you know it's a challenge. It's always a challenge to piece together a team, let alone when you have uh, players in and out due to missionary work. Um, so it's just it's a unique situation. But I think as a uh, as Coach Littlewood gets more and more familiar with the program and, and what it needs and gets into a rhythm, I think it will turn out to be you know very close to what football and basketball is able to do, where they're able to manage the uh, the players shuffling in and out and you know coming back and leaving um, at strange times in their you know in their collegiate career. So um, if anyone can do it, you know I, I think Coach Littlewood's the guy uh, that can do it, and uh, you know I think fans here sooner than later will be be able to we'll go and watch uh, you know potentially a playoff game in Provo and uh, and see the Cougars do big things. Former BYU and Stanford baseball player and current Kansas City Royals pitcher Jeremy Guthrie joining BYU Sports Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at TheRealJGuts, which is an awesome Twitter handle, by the way. And I actually uh, really enjoyed a story that I heard when I was working uh, in Colorado at a local news station about a Colorado Rockies fan that just so happened to, to come home on Twitter and, and you had sent out a tweet that said, I need someone to play catch with. It's early season April, and he shows up, and it's this amazing story. Um, can you kind of summarize and recap that story for our listeners? Yeah, it was just the day before we opened up the season in 2012, and so we hadn't even played a home game yet, but I sent out that tweet, and a, a kid named Woody Roseland responded to me, and I said, meet me down here, and he said, I'll be there in 10 minutes. And uh, as he walked into the clubhouse, you know, I noticed that he had a prosthetic leg and, and uh, had very short hair, so I, my initial reaction was I thought he might be military, and I asked him, he said, no, I'm actually, you know, a two-time cancer survivor, and uh, my leg was amputated. And so um, it was a neat experience to meet him. He'd just been, you know, given a clean bill of health again by his doctor that very day and pronounced, you know, clean from the, the cancer, and so we got to we got to go out and play catch on the field, and you know it just turned out to be really really unique because I, I didn't expect anything like that. I just expected you know um, some fan from from downtown Denver to respond, and it turned out to be a fan, but more than just a fan. And we became friends, and you know Woody was given some opportunities to go out and do some things as uh, some media attention was paid to that experience, and so it was very rewarding. And it's something you know that I've done again, and it's it's fun. It's fun to reach out to fans. And, and do something that, uh, you know, it just gives a unique experience because certainly for us players, it's, you know, it's, it's not difficult to invite someone to play catch. And, and thinking about when I was a kid, the opportunity that if I would have had that, how much it would have meant to me and how much fun it would have been. So, um, you know, I like to try and put myself in the situation of, of those around us. And uh, it turned out, about, turned out to be really cool. Well, that's a fantastic story. I remember seeing that as well, and I, I loved uh, that that you did that. That was fantastic. Jeremy Guthrie, Kansas City Royal pitcher, former BYU Cougar, joins BYU Sports Nation. 
I, I noticed during Jimmer's senior year, that magical BYU basketball season, that you were really involved on Twitter and interacting with some of the guys. Is that your favorite non-baseball sport at BYU? Basketball? Basketball. Uh, no, my favorite sport is actually baseball. And I mean, I, non, non-baseball. Non I mean, I meant to say football. There you go. Um, okay. I love football, and I was actually going to try to walk on, you know, as a freshman at BYU. Really? And my tapes to what? Norm Chow. And what position? Had dreams. I wanted to be a quarterback, you know, or a kicker. Uh, I played kicking positions as well, but um, that was my goal was to walk on and, and maybe get a crack at playing someday, taking a snap, or at least dressing down as a BYU Cougar on the football team, and I ended up getting a baseball scholarship, and they asked me just to, you know, to concentrate on baseball, which was fine, and, uh, and I was more than happy to do that. But I think it's worked out. A, <laughs> yeah, it has. The year I was there as a freshman, ironically, though, I think they had one or two injuries, and they took the red shirt off of Drew Miller. Oh, they through, they that was a bad QB like year. <laughs> yeah, they burned through four quarterbacks, and so of all the years that I might have had a outside chance of, you know, even putting the uniform on and walking on the field, that might have been the one. So, Did, uh, did you did bad, you try out at all, or you just said no? I, no, I didn't even try out. Um, Coach Chow had, had offered that opportunity to, you know, come try out. We'll give you a, a look based off of the tapes from high school, but at the end of the day, uh, I just didn't even, I, I didn't even do that. Okay, this is something I have to bring up, Jeremy, because I, too, love Michael Jordan's shoes, but you have like the sweetest collection of Michael Jordan kicks. When did that begin? Uh, my first pair, I got a pair of Sky Jordans, which, you know, some people remember that, some people don't. But the Air Jordan 1, if you got it in the grade school size, is actually said Sky Jordan okay. for the little kids. Released in like 1985? or Yeah, so I was probably six or seven. And then my next pair were the Air Jordan 5 when I was in, um, I believe I was in, sixth grade or going into seventh grade i got the five and so you know from there on was really where i caught the bug of of keeping my jordans and trying to keep them clean and you know what they represented obviously via the commercials we thought we could jump higher and play better if we wore them and you know maybe we did maybe we didn't but we sure as heck believed it so uh (laughs) that was that's where it began and it's never really stopped i think there obviously there was a two-year window when i was a missionary where uh, I didn't spend any time thinking about shoes except uh, the Doc Martens and how to keep my soles on mine from falling <laughs> apart. But, uh, you know, once I got back and kind of got settled into the routine of school and, and baseball again, I, you know, kind of caught the bug again. And now I have probably about 340 pair of Air Jordans is what, uh, is what I think. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. When you look at uh, your your career and your season coming up, fifteen and twelve last year, good season for you, four point zero four ERA. What do you expect out of yourself in twenty fourteen? Well, the the only goals I have each year is to make all my starts. Um, you know, I always want to try to win more games than I lose, which has proven to be uh, more difficult than it sounds. But uh, I think if you're out there every five days and, and give your team a chance to win and get past the six and get into the seventh and eighth innings. That uh, at the end of the year, you know, you can look back and say it was, uh, you know, a very positive and successful year. And so, those are the things I work for each and every time. And you know, as you get older, it becomes more and more of a challenge. So I, I accept that challenge and prepare as best I can in the off season to, you know, have my body in shape and ready to throw, you know, thousands and thousands of pitches over the next six months. And um, this year we have a, uh, you know, another good team returning, and we're hoping that we can build off of last year's uh, season. Jeremy Guthrie, and fittingly, wear royal blue. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw that out there to go along with the BYU ties. But we wish you the best of luck in the upcoming Major League Baseball season. 
And we hope you enjoy the first pitch dinner locally. That's Saturday, 6 p.m. on the Marriott Center Court. Uh, a lot of people across BYU Sports Nation certainly supporting your career and rooting for you, Jeremy. Well, great. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much for having me on, and uh, best of luck to you. How many Major League Baseball players have you met that are as down-to-earth as Jeremy Guthrie? Well, since I haven't really met too many, probably one. <laughs> is, that the, is that the first time you've talked to a Major League Baseball player? Uh... I can't recall talking to any others. How about that? No, you... I've, no, I've talked to Wally Joyner, Corey Snyder. Okay. Yeah. Like active, though. Like active Major League Baseball players. Active LDS. Uh, yeah. Just kidding. Active Major League. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He said his favorite sport is football. Someone, someone just tweeted, I'm a big Royals fan. Is he LDS? Yes, he is. He yes, served a mission in is. Spain. Bill Bow mission between 98 uh, and 2000. Uh, but his favorite is uh, his favorite sport, other than baseball, as we clarified, is football. So he's got his eye on the countdown to Connecticut. And somebody asked us how many weeks that was. Well, now we have the answer. Countdown to Connecticut. Thirty-two weeks. That's crazy. <laughs> at I do rock the wine at Laser Sheep. Thanks for the heads up. Thirty-two weeks, two hundred twenty-four days. That is fantastic. Let's go to Twitter now. Tweet, tweet. What are your BYU Sports Nation Oscar nominations? Our categories are best game, best performance in a game, best supporting performance in a game, and best coaching performance in a game. Let's go to Facebook first. Steve Wozniak says best performance, Taysom Hill, Texas. Best supporting performance, Jamal Williams, Texas. He doesn't answer the last two. At BYU Stash Master. He says, game, football versus Texas. Close second, basketball versus Oregon. And a loss. Interesting. Mm. That was a fun game to watch, but because BYU had lost so many close ones and on the road, and that was frustrating. He said, uh, supporting Jay Swag versus Nevada in the second half, or Tyler Haas in the second half versus Texas. Then he said the defense versus Utah State, I think, was the supporting. I'm confused. Supporting role. And then Bronco versus Boise State, he said, for coaching. That was a great game for BYU. Really the peak. They were 6-2 and two after that. Okay, Omaha! Calling it Omaha! Omaha, Omaha! Because it's time to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's Volleyball. Eighth-ranked BYU is on a two-game win streak and in Irvine tomorrow to play the defending national champions, followed by a trip to UC San Diego on Saturday. Swimming and diving. The men and women are in Denver for a meet tomorrow. Against the pioneers of the University of Denver and New Mexico Lobos. Shouldn't we be the pioneers? Gymnastics. BYU's second meet of the year is in Boise. Tomorrow night against number 11 Boise State. And then those those Denver pioneers again. They're ranked 14th. Cougars in the association. We should not be the pioneers. <laughs> I'm grateful to be the I'm Cougars. I had to answer that question. Uh, Brandon Davies had two rebounds and an assist in 10 minutes of play in the 76ers' three-point win over Charlotte. Jimmer had two points and two assists in just six minutes of play as the Kings also won by three over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Tomorrow on the show, show 100, and we bring in the first studio guest back at J-Swag Daddy. Jamal Williams will join the program tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. I wonder what he's going to be wearing. Uh, over you under- know it's going to be good. Okay, uh, Who I'm gets gonna, the rising shot? I'm, I'm going to say Jeremy Guthrie. Okay. That story when he was pitching for the Rockies with that guy when he sent out the tweet. Oh, my goodness. So good. When Rick Riley of, of ESPN.com goes out and does a feature on you, you know something special has happened. Yeah. He's, he's a good dude. And I'm glad that he's associated with BYU Athletics. That's great. Let's go back to Twitter. You've got tweets. Okay. At Slayon44. He agrees with me. 
Hashtag BYUSN. The women's soccer game against Oklahoma is the best game. Three goals in seven minutes, and it was actually four minutes and 52 seconds, but in the final seven minutes, is crazy. At BYUWBB, this is the women's basketball Twitter handle. We ask questions, and they always tailor it to the women's basketball team. Fantastic. Uh, best game, BYU versus St. Mary's in overtime. Best individual performance, Jen Hampson's 31. Best uh, supporting athlete in a, in a game performance, Bailey coming back from injury. And then coach, obviously, Coach Jetty. One more at Bridger Hill. Do it quick. Houston, thriller for the best game. Tech, the sec, uh, Super Tecmo Bowl and Bo Jackson. I'm not, uh, best individual performance, maybe. <laughs> Texas's D, Hora Awful, was... <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but it's funny. And an I versus Texas. Thanks to our guests today, Pat Olson, Ken Pomeroy, and Jeremy Guthrie. Loaded show. Producer Ben Bagley. Senior coordinating producer Michael Miner. Station manager Don Chaline. Production assistant Spencer King and engineer Aaron Evans. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to the first ever Cosmos Awards on BYU Sports Nation. You know, you've got a big mouth, you know?